Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. In this episode, I talk to Heidi Shorter. Heidi is a technology teacher from Maryland who turned technology coach during the pandemic. She shares her experiences throughout the pandemic and her vision for EdTech coaches in the future. Hi, my name is Heidi Shorter, and I am currently a technology educator in Howard County, Maryland, and my current position is teaching technology classes to kindergarten kindergartners through fifth graders. About 14 years ago, our county came up with a technology program, so similarly to kids going to PE, art, music, media, they also go to technology class. So that's been my role for the past 14 years uh, in the elementary setting, um, and again, I'm in uh, Howard County, Maryland. Um, is where I teach, and I've been in the role since they uh, started the role 14 years ago. It has definitely even changed in the last 14 years, and uh, it's certainly exciting, and I do something new and learn something every day. So that's, is that full-time? Is that um, you have classes all day with just planning like any other? Correct. Yep, it's full day, so we are responsible for teaching, they, they've adjusted it a little bit. We started out with teaching every grade for an hour a week. Um, budget cuts came into play. And so they had to cut some of our position. And so we see half of the school for an hour a week. And then we see half of the school for a half an hour a week. And so right now it's um, kindergartners we see for an hour, third and fourth graders we see for an hour. And then we see uh, first grade or the other grades we see for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So it's, it's, it's crazy. And that just happened a couple years ago with the budget cuts. They wanted to keep the program, um, but had to reduce staffing. And yeah. so reduced it by cutting hours of the technology program. Yeah. Budget budgets are tough. I mean, that's, that's kind of at the heart of a lot of um, troubles is in education. I, I mean, Absolutely. honestly, uh, Absolutely. And I feel as though right now budgets are even taking a harder hit. Uh, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but when COVID hit and they ended up buying every student in the county, which we have 80,000 students and they ended up buying them a Chromebook. Yeah. So, yeah. Where did that come from? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there was a lot of there was a lot of federal funding. So yeah. I know as as um, a director myself that there was a huge buckets of federal funding that came down. There's more that's coming down right now. Um my question as a tech director is how are we going to sustain that? Right. So if they bought 80,000 Chromebooks or, you know, it might not have been 80,000, but right. they, they bought a whole bunch to try to get to that 80,000. Great. That's awesome. But all of those devices are going to die at the same time. And how do you plan for sustainability if that wasn't already written into your budget prior to COVID-19? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think at this point, because so much has been changing in the past year, you know, month to month, week to week, sometimes day to day, I think some, you know, a lot of the computers that were handed out in our county came from schools. Like we had, I think, six to eight carts in our school. Mm -hmm. So we had to go in, we had to, you know, disas disassemble the carts and then let the county know, okay, so we have X number from our carts. This is how many more we're, we're going to need. Right. So some of them are new, some of them are a year old. Yeah. You know. When you say six to eight carts, what kind of ratio was that? And it doesn't have to be device to student, but I mean, if you could just describe so that we could 
understand what that ratio looked like prior to COVID. So we have um, kindergarten through fifth grade in my school. Mm -hmm. And depending on the grade level, there's an average of four to five classes per grade. So each grade had their own cart Mm -hmm. that they could use, which was 25 computers per cart. And then there was also a cart for the technology teacher, which is me. Um, And I also have a partner because I have a very large school where I work. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, over 800 students in our school and I have a part-time partner. That's a pretty big elementary school. It's a very big elementary school. That's like a small city with small children. (laughs) (laughs) So, So your official role as a technology teacher, can you describe how your role transitioned when you moved into remote teaching and learning and as COVID hit? Absolutely. So our county uses a learning management system. We use Canvas in my school. And we implemented Canvas, I'm going to say it's probably been about five to seven years ago. Canvas came into play and it was, um, it's, you know, it's used a lot at the middle school and at the high school level, but not necessarily so much at the elementary level. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, obviously the kids are different. They're, they have, you know, an hour to a half an hour of tech time a week. So when they came to technology class, we would start introducing Canvas to them probably by third grade, fourth grade, um, fifth graders. We got in there a little bit more so that when they transitioned into middle school, they were more familiar with Canvas. And I know mm-hmm. for me as a technology teacher and someone who has tech skills, when I first learned the Canvas platform, it was very confusing to me because it's written. It is a secondary educational platform. Right. And what, you know, and so the county bought it because it kind of fit their bill and what they needed in their budget. And, you know, the way it fits into the back end of the system with, you know, the attendance and all of that, um, you know, that goes into keeping everything in, you know, the data systems for the the student information. Yeah. So anyway, so we've spent, you know, as technology teachers in our cohort, we've spent several years learning Canvas and how to implement and use Canvas to, you know, to give instruction and to introduce students to it, you know, little by little. Very rarely did we ever take the younger students into Canvas. It was, you know, enough to get them to log into a computer. Mm -hmm. In our county, our logins are nine, you know, nine characters long, and every password is six characters long. And of course, they're all unique, and you've got kids that don't know their letters. And so it was, you know, it was a big process to try to even implement any of this with some of the younger students. So before COVID hit, students got canvas and experience in canvas basically within technology class teachers did have to have a canvas page just so that parents who that was connected to our websites like we were transitioning away from teacher websites and teachers just basically had a canvas page so that when parents needed information or wanted information about class that information was on the canvas page for the teacher Mm -hmm. but that's basically all the teachers used it for gifted and talented programs used it you know a small bit Um, Teachers used it for, like I said, their informational pages. And there was a goal that each teacher start using Canvas announcements to send out blanket announcements to their class or to the team at least once a quarter. So that's about the experience that the teachers had in the elementary level Mm -hmm. with Canvas when everything hit. And we were, you know, March 13th was our last day. And when we left, we thought it was going to be two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and then things just started changing day by day by day by day. <laughs> did you did you stay 
in remote up until I think you had said something about March 1st, you guys came back, but you didn't flip flop at all between there. You were just straight remote for, I mean, essentially a year. So yeah, it was 12 days shy of a year that we went back, went back March 1st this year. Um, I hadn't been in the building since March 13th, the year before. So in the spring, we did kind of more of an asynchronous implementation of work for Mm -hmm. the students. Teachers were still learning Canvas. They were still trying to set things up. A lot of central office in our county was writing a lot of the lessons and putting them into Canvas because teachers really honestly had no experience in writing them creating modules, how to put the modules in, how to get it all set up officially and appropriately for Mm -hmm. younger students. So it was enough because we had to transition all of the teacher pages into links and information that parents and students would need from home. Uh, At that, um, we had students at that point were able to request a Chromebook But if they had a home device, they were asked to use their home device. So last spring, it was asynchronous learning, use your own device. If you need a device, we will get you a device. They tried mailing them at first. That was not, that did not go well. I could imagine. No. (laughs) So then it became a pickup situation um, and people were nervous about being, you know, at that point, nobody really knew what was going on. So there was a lot of, it was just very interesting. Um, And especially for teachers in my role, the technology teachers, the PE, the music, all of our work was completely asynchronous. Mm -hmm. And then teachers would tap in with their students probably a couple times a day and they'd have sessions, but they weren't direct instruction. There was no synchronous instruction last spring from, I guess it was beginning of April um, because we had a couple weeks break just to give some teachers some training. Right. And they, um, you know, they would log in and talk to their students. But in our county, we use Google Meet. Nobody had used, I didn't know Google Meet. Yeah. You know? So we had to learn the Google Meet. We had to learn the sharing. We had to learn the sound settings. We had to learn the, like so many different pieces of information, you know, notwithstanding all of the things from Canvas that teachers had to learn. And so technology teachers were really called upon to be the kind of liaison for their school and to have training sessions. And of course we were doing them over Google Meet and you know, we were still learning that as we were going. So you're learning Google Meet yourself and yep. then you're putting together training sessions for your teachers yes. in a platform that you are trying to learn simultaneously. Correct. Correct. Now the good news is I did know Canvas. So I was able to teach them Canvas, yeah. but to teach them on that platform that we were trying to learn and try to figure out how that would work. Plus, I was also responsible for making sure all of my lessons for my students were also completed. Right. Because still, our responsibility is to be educators for the students. Right. That's... So we were spending, yeah, yeah, and it was. So, so you were essentially, you were essentially going in, you were doing professional learning sessions about how many, like, how often would you be doing that? Uh, all day. All day. Honestly, I mean, honestly, all day. We would have t- technology teacher meetings on Google Meet, we would be shown what we needed to teach the staff. And then that afternoon, we would teach the staff or later that week. So we tried to do, I tried to do training, you know, depending on people's schools. Again, I have a very large school. Mm -hmm. So I tried to do, okay, by subject. Okay, so today we're going to learn how to present in Google Meet. So I want you to come and we're going to learn that piece. 
or today we're going to learn how to create your Canvas page and make it uniform so that parents understand and know what's on there because they kind of wanted all the pages to be somewhat similar because parents were also you know, just trying to learn. And if my fourth grader's page was different than my kindergartner's page was different than my second grader's page, that was really yes. tough. So the county was trying to get everything to look, you know, very consistent. Right. So trying to teach that piece of it. Um, so we, again, I did like uh, topic sessions, but then I also did drop in uh, office hours, which were always extremely busy. And, you know, people would drop in and I would just kind of take them one by one as they came in. Okay, what's your question? Some people would just come to the office hours and hang out and just hear the questions because they're like, I don't even know what questions I have. I just know I don't know what I'm doing. I get that. And I teach college classes for um, a yeah. uni- for Central Michigan University. And I get that a lot. Like I'll open up office hours and I'll have like four people sitting there and I'm like, what questions do you have? They're like, oh, I'm just waiting to hear other people. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's that. You know, I, I don't really know what I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I just want to wait for someone else to ask the question because I'm sure I have the same question. <laughs> yeah. So now that you have transitioned back as of March 1st, and I know it's only, you know, two months. Yeah, about two months. That, yeah. And we, we did a staggered entrance from March 1st. So okay. some of the kids, so we had two weeks of just the, the kids who distance learning was not working. Mm-hmm. You know, their attendance was down. We couldn't get work completion. There was a lot of concern about what was happening. And they came back first. And then two weeks after that, we had K1 and 2 come back. Mm-hmm. And again, it was also A, B. So we have certain students who are there Monday, Tuesday, a different set of students who are there Thursday, Friday. We still have Wednesdays as our cleaning day. So students don't really report on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, and then two weeks after that was... Three, four, five. So three, four, five has basically been in the building for three weeks, maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we transitioned after last spring, this fall, we transitioned to much more synchronous instruction. Mm-hmm. So there was still a lot of, you know, most of the instruction was at that point synchronous, um, except for the specials where I was. They kind of had us on a rotating basis. Yeah. So we were seeing kids a couple times a month. So they had some lessons that were synchronous, some that were asynchronous. Um, that was a crazy schedule to try to figure out too. Like, uh, it was like a rainbow schedule, the red day, the yellow day, the green. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Kids were just messaging, do I have class today? Do I? Yeah, it was crazy. And so then the schedule changed again yeah. March, in March when we came back. So it's just been so much learning and so many different ways to try to learn and manipulate and manage and so now we have you know kids in front of us kids on the screen we've got the meet going the lesson going the kids in front of you going the computer problems at home the computer problems in the room it's you know and a lot of teachers just aren't don't have the experience with the computers right they don't right so my phone's always ringing or you know buzzing or my email's always ding today i was teaching a class and i got a text from a colleague my computer's not, I can't get connected to our school server. And I was in the middle of teaching. I had nine kids in front of me. I had 18 kids on the screen and I was like, I'm teaching. Like, yeah. you know, I couldn't, I couldn't help right that moment. Luckily, another teacher had an extra Chromebook and handed her that. But it's a lot of, a lot of things happening. A lot of balls in the air for sure. So are you back to full-time teaching or do you have any time that you can work with teachers now that you're back face-to-face or? So Wednesdays is considered our time. Okay. However, there's been so much demand on teachers. The county has 
made all of our Wednesdays for the rest of the year optional. Okay. There are some teachers who have tapped out. Yeah. It's an option. It's optional and they're not, they're not coming. I don't, I, I don't blame them with all of yeah, the, the huge changes and stuff and just trying to breathe. And I know we had spring break and still everybody just kind of came back like, okay, is it summer yet? Like we just need, we need to stop and re, you know, just yeah. relax for a minute because <laughs> there's been a lot of, a lot of shifting. Now, are you back full-time? Are you hybrid? Um, we are back, uh, K five goes full time Monday through Thursday. And then we have Friday as an asynchronous day to provide because we're potting our, our elementary schools. So mm -hmm. like my son's teacher, also the librarian comes in and kind of does some stuff with the class so mm -hmm. that the teacher can actually leave the room and go to the bathroom and lunch sure. and all that. <laughs> so they don't allow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They don't allow the kids to like just move around like they used to. So specials are all recorded and they just push them directly into the classroom. They don't, you know, it, it's, they, they don't shift the kids. The adults kind of shift around them. Um, and then in secondary, we just moved back our fifth restart of the year for secondary essentially. Cause we were um, remote and then we did a hybrid um, and then we had to go back to remote because there were just too many cases. Um, and then we went back to hybrid and then recently just moved our secondary schools to the four days a week with the Friday asynchronous. So those teachers have had five starts to yeah. the year. So, I mean, I can understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And right now, it's, even since March 1st, when we've, since we've been back, we've had some virtual students want to come back. We've had some students who were in the building that said, nope, not working for me. I'm going back home. And so that, like today, I had, I think, five different students that I haven't seen yet since yeah. they've been back because of our rotating schedule and the fact, you know, the A, the B, or they just came back. Right. So right now, our limit in the classroom is 10. We can have no more than 10. And everybody has their 10 seats spaced out. So we are switching. Like the kids are coming to me. They yeah. are going to PE. However, you know, wipe, you know, sanitizer, wiping down after each class, we put, we built in some transition time just to be able to make sure things were clean. Yeah. But it's going well, as well as it could go. I said, you know, teaching is hard. Online teaching is hard. Combining it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, is, that's a, it's just a lot. It's a crazy task. I couldn't imagine. I, I was a secondary teacher and I know, sec, you know, secondary teachers have, you know, upwards of 90 to 100 and, you know, 10 students, depending on the number of kids in each one of their sections and how many sections they teach. And, sure. and I, and I'm sure, and you're the same way. I mean, you're hitting all of these different kids and you're having to keep up with first grades doing this, kindergarten's doing this, second grades doing this and all of that. And then to have to do it with two different groups that simultaneously, I couldn't imagine hats off to every teacher out there to be, I, I teach probably uh, a little over 500 students per week. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's a lot. So that's it's a lot. a lot. Yes. And I, you know, I was talking to somebody else about this too. And I said, you know, everybody, everybody honestly had to do some kind of adjustment to their job, their life, whatever, when COVID hit, mm -hmm. I'm not saying teachers are the only ones who had to adjust, but we had to adjust in people's homes yep. while everybody was watching. Yes. Very watching, true. Judging, looking, yep. questioning, 
asking. So it wasn't like we were trying to figure it out and make it work. You know, my husband was trying to figure out Microsoft Teams and his, you know, all of his colleagues were trying to figure that out and learn, but they were learning it together and they didn't have those parents, you know, the parents mm -hmm. are behind because we're teaching elementary school. Yeah. So a lot of these kids had somebody right next to them almost the whole time. Some of them still do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and to try to learn and to be a teacher who's having trouble sharing their screen or the sound's not working and you've got parents who are unmuting saying, do this, try this. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Since we've been talking about COVID, how do you envision COVID changing schools for the long term? Because um, I know that uh, last year's ISTE conference, I don't know if you're familiar with this team. Oh, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, last year's ISTE conference, the big thing was, you know, we can't let um, this, we shouldn't allow schools to come back and be identical to what they were. No. You know, no. We, we should be taking this lessons learned and then moving forward with what's, what should school look like now that we've done this. Absolutely. So how do you see COVID changing school for the long term? So we already in our county are looking at providing a virtual school next year for students who want that. I do think there's going to be families who feel as though this is something that works for their family. It works for their child. I've seen a lot of success from some students working virtually that, you know, when they were in the building, it was not good. Right. You know, and then you have the opposite. You have the ones who are in the building and it's okay. And now they're virtual and you're like, are you okay? Are you still there? Mm -hmm. You know, so obviously it's highlighting that different programs and different ways of teaching are going to work for different students. And that's a good thing. You right. know, that's something that we all need to look at. I think the one-to-one -one devices, we can't go back. You're not going to, we're not going to take, okay, you've used that now. Okay. Now we're going to take it back. I don't think that's going to happen. And so when we do hopefully get back to a full-time situation, our teacher, Teachers are going to have to try to continue using these devices. We don't want them sitting on a shelf, mm -hmm. yet we don't want them maybe being the only thing that teachers use either. So trying to figure out the balance between when is a good time to use the technology, when can I infuse technology in my instruction and enhance what I'm doing and how I'm delivering things to my students without it being too much or without it you know, getting in the way of that one-to-one -one and being in person with the students and not having that device in front of you. And that's going to take some training and it's going to take some coaching and it's going to take understanding how, okay, now I've, first I didn't use it. Then I used it all the time. Okay. How am I going to learn, going to learn how to balance all of this? But our county has put out a um, a request that it's asked teachers who might want to teach. It's called the uh, Digital Learning Center. Mm -hmm. And so it will be for students who will be completely remote. Parents have to opt into it. And they're asking them to opt in for the year. It's not going to be a back and forth. Oh, this isn't working. Now I'm going to come back in. But there will be a digital option for families. And so there will be teachers who will basically be creating a digital school. And they'll have their own, I believe they're going to have their own administration and they're going to have their own, um, you know, staff that they work with. However, when it comes to secondary and sports, students will be able to participate, I believe. And there's still, again, there's yeah. information sessions. And but from what I understand, they will be able to participate in activities with their homeschool, but their learning and their education will be through the Digital Education Center. So I do think 
you're going to be having students who are kindergarten through 12th grade who are learning online and that's their choice and that's what their families are going to choose to do and that's you know and that's a that's a way for student for parents to actually have a little bit of um you know of a stake in okay this is how i see my student learning this works for our family and you know so i don't think it's going to go back i think we will have some type of digital education center that students are going to be virtual i wonder how it's going to affect staffing well, I mean, you and I were talking about budgets and how, how hard it is to budget as it is. And I mean, you're already talking about one-to-one -one devices being the norm, that, that being the case. I mean, we're looking at refresh options. Those devices only last in the hands of a student for maybe five years. And the way some of them look as they've come back into school, I'm not sure they're going to last that long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that, oh, is, yeah. that is the struggle. Um, I've seen middle schoolers walking down staircases just shove their device down the staircase. Like, just let me just see if it'll float down. The... <laughs> it's like, what are you I've, doing? I've asked, I've, I, you know, a student comes in and opens their computer. I'm like, where are the keys? Yes. Oh, they fell off. They fell off. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and one thing that I would love to see, honestly, is the school systems really kind of hold the kids and the families responsible and a little bit more accountability for using these devices and using them appropriately and using them for education. It's this is what this is for. Yes. It's and it's a constant battle. Um sure. being, you know, at the central office version of that. It's a it's a constant struggle to balance the, you know, holding people accountable and then trying to understand, you know what I mean? And it's, and it is, it, it's almost, you have to take them all by a case by case basis, but yes, taking that, you know, Hey, the, this device had, you know, this many keys when we started and <laughs> there are zero on it. So, I mean, they, and if, if one or two had fallen off, you should have brought it into us, you know, stuff like that. And I Absolutely. wonder if maybe some parent education um, options. I think if, you know, you were looking at tech coaching, mm -hmm. I think that would be a great piece for the tech coach to have as part of their responsibilities is holding parent nights or parent communication about care, about digital citizenship, about what to look for with their students right. at home, as well as at school, especially because this is a school issue device yeah. that you're using. Yeah. And I know a lot of parents did reach out and say, how do I block something? How do I keep my kids here? How do I, you know, and there are certain ways that we have to all set up depending on your school system, you know, kind of set that umbrella of security on the device that you're allowed to do some things, but you're not allowed to do others. But when you're on a home Wi-Fi, you know, some of that doesn't even necessarily. It's really hard to manage. It's, it's, it's I very hard to manage, VPN. especially yes, if they I figure out a, what a VPN is. <laughs> and, then, oh. and then you just kind of, you know, you block as many of those as you can. Um, I mean, we even work with a company that they they crowdsource all of that type of information so if one school catches a vpn and they they report it or whatever then then it'll block on mine too and you know all of that so they do a really good job of it but there's a new vpn popping up every you know hour <laughs> just wow. just so they can proxy around and go to whatever they want and i i've had conversations with parents going i was trying to block them <laughs> you know and um, they found 
the way around and we've blocked that VPN now. So hopefully they won't find another one. I mean, that's, that's a reality. Um, but, and that's another thing that I'm very, um, I don't know, I, it's, I'm very passionate about digital citizenship, especially for these young students. Mm-hmm. I do think a lot of these parents don't even understand, you know, some of the dangers or some of the things that are out there and some of, you know, that was what we taught in tech class. It was about your digital footprint, about what to watch for, about what to look for, about, you know, what to be aware of. If you see something, what do you do? Like, what are your strategies? And, you know, now they're, you know, they see me an hour a week, (laughs) you know, that's something that I would love to see a coach be able to go in and work with teachers and say, here's a great way that, you know, we can implement your math lesson. And we can also throw these digital citizenship skills in because that's something that now should not be a separated piece of a curriculum that they see me for once a week. If you're on that device, these are the rules that you need to follow no matter where you are, no matter what you're working on, no matter what teacher's in front of you, whether you're at home, these are important safety rules to keep you safe, keep the device safe. So we can all proceed with this in a positive way without, yeah. We have ed tech coaches in our school district and I, I work with them. And that was one of the things we had started before COVID was in kindergarten, what are the discussions? In first grade, what are the discussions? In second grade. And we were just ready to roll that out this coming year. Like we had, we had gotten through most of it and we were like, okay, come by the end of the year, we'll have this, we'll be able to present it to teachers, we'll be able to do professional development um, on those types of skills, and then how to embed it in the curriculum, just like you're talking, and then COVID hit, and everything kind of went, (laughs) but we're hoping to go back to that. The teachers just wanted to work. Yeah. No, they just want the video to work. And so they're pulling up YouTube to show the video and all the stuff on the side. I'm like, no, 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 there's ways to embed it. There's ways that you can block out the things on the right there, but they don't know those things because they haven't been educated on those things. They're just trying to get through. And in your current role, you can't go in the classroom while they're teaching and observe and then provide. Because I'm teaching my students. Right. So I've got kids coming to me all day. Part of our responsibility as tech teachers, and there's a little bit of time built in, little bit of time built into our schedules for professional development. But I feel like at this point, a lot of times it's me answering questions yeah. or something or, you know, trying to get the computer to work or trying to fix a student's, you know, a lot of troubleshooting. Whereas it's not as much training as it was because yeah. they're kind of in it now. And they're doing what they can. But when I see sometimes, and it's, you know, to no fault of their, I'm not faulting them at all. They're just trying to do it and right. they're, you know, get through. They're trying to survive. You know, they don't know. You know, I'm like, please try not to pull up YouTube while you're sharing your screen. Like, have your video ready, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or um, have it full screen or something before the kids see all of those things. And because if they're like, kind of a um, subliminal way of saying, look, just go to YouTube and find the video, just, which of course kids are going to do that. Right. You know, but we, that's the biggest complaint we have from elementary school parents is YouTube. Oh, I, I get it all the time. And I actually, I have three children myself and all three are in elementary school. We got to the point where just because with YouTube, you watch something and then it plays something else and then it just keeps going. And then Sometimes I would really be 
be like, what, what are you watching now? Like you'd hear something and you'd go, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did you get from here to there? We were on Minecraft like five minutes ago. How did we get to a video game like Grand Theft Auto that I don't want you anywhere near? (laughs) Like right now you're, you're little, I don't, you're not ready for that. Um, and it's, we actually ended up in my house. We, we don't let our kids on YouTube unless it's for school. And unless it's filtered, because because we have a we have a a YouTube filter mm-hmm. um, in our school district, and does it hit everything? No, YouTube is vast, and it's very hard to you know the number of videos that are loaded every single day. It's really it's a decent enough filter that I feel comfortable enough to say, okay, if you can get on it with your school device, <laughs> then, right? You know, but um, yeah, and we have. You know, for a long time, our school district did block YouTube, but there's so many educational things yes. that are on there. And so it was that whole issue of, well, now we're missing a huge piece of instruction that we yeah. could be using and implementing. So it's, you know, you've got both sides of the coin. So However, goes, when, when the device goes home, yeah. that's when some of that blockage is not really available mm-hmm. necessarily because it needs to be open so that the kids can see it. Yep when they're at school yeah so we do have a new piece of software that we're using where while we're working with the students and we're only allowed to use it while they are assigned to us so if i've got a kindergarten class from one to two on mondays that's the only time i can use it mm-hmm. but we are allowed to now see the kids screens yeah when they're at home and be able to see and block things and that was whew, that was a huge eye-opener when that when we finally got access to that, to realize what the kids actually had open Mm -hmm. and what was going on, you know, and I mean, parents are working, they're not, you know, they don't really, and they shouldn't be sitting next to their student because their student's not going to learn autonomy if somebody's sitting right next to them all the time, you know, but it just, it's, there's just so much out there and it's always, always changing Mm -hmm. and it's always, you know, going to be changing. And that's why we need the time to be able to spend learning and understanding how to implement it safely to keep the kids safe, to keep our stuff safe. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a, there's a guy, um, he travels around and does conferences and stuff. His name's Kevin Honeycutt. Um, and he, uh, said at a conference that I was at a few years back, um, the internet is like giving students, the keys to a Ferrari and not teaching them how to drive. (laughs) Absolutely. And I've made that comparison with parents before. Mm -hmm. I said, would you put, you know, give give the keys to your car to your child who is seven, Yeah. you know, without any training or without, you know, them learning. And that's what we're doing when we're handing these devices. And I know as a system and as a country, and, you know, we had this pandemic and it was like, oh my gosh, we've got to get to these kids here. Here's a device. Here you go here. Now you can get to your teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You can also get to all this other stuff. Oh, right. Okay. Now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've alluded to ed tech coaching a little bit so far. Um, what is your vision for ed tech coaching as you're thinking about the future of uh, education? I mean, I would love to see an ed tech coach, at least in every building you know, from, you know, just from my perspective with my county and what I see that maybe could spend an entire day. Let's say, you know, today is first grade's day with the ed tech coach 
because I think sometimes if you do it by the hour, then that means one grade only gets you at math time and that's all the only time they ever get you. Mm -hmm. So if you could take your days and kind of rotate through your days and say, okay, you know, today's my day in first grade. So I'm going to work with, you know, some of you in language arts. I'm going to work with some of you during math time. I'm going to work with some of you during science. And I'm also going to be there during your planning time. Mm -hmm. And so while I'm there during your planning time, we can sit and you can, you know, bounce off ideas or we can be looking in the curriculum and then I can come up with something and help you plan how to implement, you know what, math for this, for next week, you know, the lesson that you have is really good, but science next week, oh my gosh, we can really dive in and use the computers. I'll come into your science class next week. Okay. How about, you know, reading? Oh, wow. You're doing this in reading. This reading group could really do this over here you know, and I can pop in and make sure the kids are good. And then I can bounce over to this teacher and check that reading and, you know, really make it kind of fluid and flowy mm -hmm. so that it's not so set. And I know in education, it's really hard to think like that because what's my schedule? What time are we going to be here? Yep. What time is that? And that's kind of the, um, the ammunition kind of for staffing. Okay. Well, how are you going to be used and what are you going to be doing yes. and where are you going to be? And, <laughs> you know, who are you responsible for? Um, and, you know, I, but I would love to see teachers have the advantage of having a coach that can just be with them for the day, Yeah. you know, and then the next day I go to the next grade and maybe even that rotates because when it is a normal school year, you know, Mondays, there's lots of Mondays off, there's lots of Fridays off. And so how can we rotate it evenly or, you know, maybe even do it, you know, start out with the older kids you know, and really kind of tech coach the older kids, especially at the beginning of the year. And then maybe they kind of can go with it and the teachers can go with it. And then after the primary kids are in the building for a little while, you know, when we get through half of the year, the tech coach shifts and now works with primary yeah. because the older kids, I've got you where you need to be. I've got the teachers a lot more comfortable. Now let's shift over to the younger kids. You guys are starting to know your letters, your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> we can now start, you know, to, to get kid in there. I mean, I will say the tech skills that I've seen from these students, you know, teachers were like, oh my gosh, how, what are we going to do? The kids are going to be coming in the building. How are they going to know their login? Their families are logging them in. These kids are fine. Oh yeah. Logging, like, you know, whereas before when I saw them for an hour a week, I mean, some of these kids didn't learn to log in until second grade. Now, not an issue. Yep. You can teach, not you, you can teach a kindergartner how to log into their Chromebook. Absolutely. They might not even know what that letter is, but they know what it looks like and they know where it is on the <laughs> keyboard. Know that that one comes after the, I touch this one. Yeah. So those kind of, you know, problems or situations aren't even in the mix anymore. And I know, or not, I don't know, but I assume or I would predict that some of the problems we're seeing now aren't going to exist mm -hmm. in a couple of years because it is always changing. But because it's always changing, Who's going to lead the teachers in that? Who's going to help them try to understand? Because you've got so much that's on your plate as a teacher. You know, we've got the professional development for so many other things. And then it's kind of assumed, oh, and by the way, it's all going to be, you know, you're going to use the computer to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that, um, so I used to be an ed tech coach before I took on the tech director role. Um, and flowy was a really good word for you to use right there. It has to, it has to flow yeah. with what the teacher needs in that moment. And so being free the entire day and I, and by free, I don't mean you're not doing stuff and just waiting around for someone to ask you a question. That is not, 
at all the case. And I know that in, available. Oh, yes. Available. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah, the availability to be able to pop in or mm -hmm. go in. I mean, obviously, I would love to see a tech coach be a co-teacher. Yeah. You know, we have some support teachers in math and support teachers in reading, and they're not supposed to teach students. Their job is to go in and help the teachers and train the teachers and show them what to do with the reading and with the math, but it is not their job mm -hmm. to be an instructor. Yeah. And they're oftentimes some of the first people to go if the budget is you know, in question because they don't have a direct impact on students. But I do believe a tech coach who's helping a teacher implement the technology in the way that it's designed is impacting the students. Yeah. A hundred and ten percent. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they should be co-teaching, co-planning, absolutely um, modeling instructional strategies. So not every teacher gets to leave and go to a conference, or gets to go and observe other teachers and other schools doing really cool things. Um, Especially now with all the budget cuts, because yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. No such thing as PD <laughs> travel anymore. No, no. Well, and I think a lot of that's going to change, right? A lot of conferencing might change, you know, because it does allow people who, you know, can't get on a plane and go to the conference or don't have the means to go stay in a hotel so that they can be at the conference for a couple of days, but maybe they can tune in yeah. to a couple of sessions here and there. And maybe I don't buy a pass for the whole conference, but maybe I buy, you know, by session or by day or something like that, which I think could be really beneficial. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's just, I was about to make a really good point too. We've been, we've been flowing really well for, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think there are a lot of changes coming. I really had a point. And a lot of them are really, a lot of them for the better. I mean, these kids are digital natives. They have grown up with this. They have no fear that the teachers are the ones who are afraid. Mm -hmm. And I remember last spring when everything was happening and the teachers were like, they're not going to know. I'm like, I'm telling you, these kids know Canvas better than you do. Mm -hmm. They're going to be fine. When you say open your Canvas page, they're going to be fine. They're going to know what you're talking about. I don't know. I'm like, trust me. Trust me. It's okay. They're not afraid like you are. Yeah. You know? And so because they're not afraid, they're ready. They're ready for a teacher that's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, we have a, um, a long-term sub right now. And I mean... Oh my gosh, the poor thing. She's like, thank gosh, this one student is in my class. He's always telling me how to do it. <laughs> always telling me, okay, this is what you need to know. She's like, thank goodness he's there. If he's absent ever, I'm going to be, you know, beside myself because he's the one that gets me through if my screen sharing's not working or if, you know, my cursor isn't where it needs to be or I've lost some, she, you know, so the kid, it's a great opportunity too for kids to see that you don't have to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. And then we're all learning together. That's one thing I think that has really been a huge uh, benefit to all of this is kids are saying, oh, my teacher doesn't really understand or know, or they're just learning with me. Yeah. And so maybe it's okay if I make a mistake because my teacher's making a mistake. Yeah. That piece has been huge. Yeah. You know, and has made, I think, some of the kids who don't always get it right and are kind of nervous feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, when they see, oh, really, you know, not really sure here if it's going to work, you know, but that's, that's technology every day, right? Right. Is it gonna, 
<laughs> I mean, just trying to jump onto this meeting, my internet decided it didn't want to connect to my computer and I have no idea why I had to shut the whole thing down, restart it, get it. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so it's just, it is what it is. And it's, um, and that does, it does seem to be the answer to a lot of the problems. Just turn it off and restart. turn it back on. Yep. And <laughs> but yeah, the, t the ed tech coach is definitely somebody that I think can be a catalyst. So that way they're not getting, you know, you get the professional development or you've gone to the conference presentation or you've listened in on something really cool. And you can look at that person as a teacher and say, I want to do this, but I'm a little nervous. Can you come help me? Absolutely. And it's just a collaborator. And we try to teach kids all the time to collaborate with each other. Yes. But then we, we end up in then we have to model what we're asking them to do. Yes. I say that all the time to teachers. I'm like, if you are okay, if the kids make a mistake and you're trying to teach the kids, you know, I'm like, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing when you're out there and it's okay for them to see you ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but how do, you know, how do you convince the board of education members or whoever it is that, you know, that this is so important? And that these, you know, you don't want to say, well, the teachers don't know what they're doing. Cause that's not really right, the that's case. That's not the truth. Yeah. It's not the case, but that the teachers need it to be able to be more confident and to be able to understand the better and the safer ways to implement the technology that's not going away. It's not going away. It's just going to keep getting more complicated and, you know, more things coming out, you know, so just trying to understand and convince how can we, you know, portray that need people who are making these decisions who probably haven't been in a classroom for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, um, we have been talking for quite some time and I really, really enjoyed having you on and I appreciate you for coming and sharing your experience with everybody and, um, your thoughts on the future of education. And, um, so thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I, so appreciate you having me it's funny i've been trying to talk to my boss and talking about this coaching and you know these ideas of rotating through grade levels and you know how can we make this work and how can i pilot it i'll pilot it for the county and you know get some uh, anecdotal records from teachers about how it's helped because we did get a lot of feedback the tech teachers from all of the coaching that we did in the spring and just this past fall yeah. about how crucial it was for them to have us to be able to go to office hours and to have these sessions just so that they could understand what to do. And I would love to see that piece of it continue, you know, and just help build the confidence of these teachers. And there's so much out there in educational technology that is such a wealth of information yeah. and the teachers just don't, have the time or the knowledge and that coach could really bridge that gap yes and it's forever changing changes every other day you know and if we're gonna if the education is changing and the technology is changing then maybe the way we look at the positions needs to change too i agree i agree well thank you so much oh my gosh ashley thank you so much for having me had such a blast talking to Heidi. If you are an EdTech coach, a principal who's worked with an EdTech coach, um, a teacher who's worked with an EdTech coach, or a teacher who just wishes that they had an EdTech coach and would like to talk about what services an EdTech coach would benefit you for, please feel free to go to edtechcoachingprimer.com 
go to the podcast page and fill out the form. I'd love to have a conversation with you.